All right. Thank you, Lord. Well, what a great morning to be together. Uh, what a great way to be able to join our faith. Uh, you know, if there's one thing that I believe strongly in anyone who's heard me teach or heard me talk about our journey, you know that I believe so strongly in the power of agreement. And I, I believe that's what we're doing this morning, is that we're joining our faith together to believe for everything that God has for us. Are you with me? Amen. All right. Okay, let's pray, and then I'm going to uh, just uh, conclude our, our follower series with our, our last message for that. But let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for everything that you're doing. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place that is so real, that is so tangible. And we thank you, God, that your presence is here because you are here to change lives and to transform lives so that each and every one of us can look, uh, live like Jesus and look like Jesus and love like Jesus. And so we thank you, Lord, this morning that uh, as we come around your word, that you would change us and transform us, Lord, so that we can truly live love, so that we can truly live this message out in our community and in those places uh, where we are outside of these buildings, Lord. Thank you, God, that you have given us everything that we need in order to reach this city for Jesus. We give you glory and praise, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so uh, for those of you who haven't uh, been here every week, what we've done is we've uh, had this series called Follower, and what we've been doing is been talking about this journey of uh, going from being an admirer to being an inquirer to being a responder. In the last few weeks, Cameron has talked about being a follower and what that really means. And today I want to conclude this series for you uh, about being a reproducer. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And if we can wrap up really what a follower is... Uh, uh, really, a follower is, is a person, um, or defines a person in the Gospels, uh, or the Gospels, sorry, defines it as a person that has placed Jesus at the center or at the core of their lives. So Cameron said a couple weeks ago, it's not even about prioritizing, you know, Jesus first, and then my family, and then church, or then career, or whatever it is, but it's about putting Jesus in the center, at the very core of our lives in everything that we do. And a true follower is someone who places Jesus at the center. Everything starts with Jesus. We place him on the highest place. We remove all clutter, and we, we live a second and put Jesus as first. And a follower truly is a pe- person who lives like Jesus and loves like Jesus. But today, I want to talk about something that goes even beyond being a follower. I want to talk about being a reproducer. I believe that reproducers are those true followers who intentionally reach and disciple other people to live like Jesus and love like Jesus, which is simply the mission that we have. So the idea of a reproducer is that we will reproduce after our own kind. Even if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, when God created all the different animals and all the different trees and the whole creation, and then finally mankind, he said to each section of creation, he said, now you are to go and reproduce after your own kind. So at the very core of our beings, we are called to be reproducers. And we can be reprodu- we are reproducers of what we are for the good <laughs> and sometimes for the not so good. And so what I want to talk about today is how can we, we be a true follower, a true disciple of Jesus Christ that can reproduce that in others. Matthew 28 verse 19, one of the most famous, uh, famous scriptures uh, of the New Testament is Jesus speaking uh, to his disciples right before he ascends to heaven. He says this, so go and make followers of all people in the world 
baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The message version, which I love, says this, go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by the baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So really, it's that simple. Just Go and train everyone you meet. Show them this way of life. That's as simple as it gets. Really, this is what's called the Great Commission. You know what's so interesting? It's not the Great Suggestion. It's actually the Great Commission. And what that means is that this is not limited to people who are paid to work to share the gospel. They're not for the traveling evangelists. This is you and me in your everyday life. God has commissioned you. Jesus has commissioned you to go out and make disciples, to show people what it truly is like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? Mark 1.17, Jesus said to them, come with me and I will teach you how to catch people. Another translation says, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will turn you into fishers of people. This is really what happened when Jesus walked the earth. He walked around and he called followers to come to him, but he didn't stop there and it didn't stop there. He didn't say, I just want you to trail after me for three years and then, you know, I'm going to go and and now you can have a cozy little group because I formed a group with the 12 of you and then whatever following you had and then I'm going to take off and you get just... You know, have fun and and enjoy your group. What he did is he actually said, come follow me. Come and hang out with me. Come and watch what I do. Come and live in my shoes for three years and see what I can do. And if you spend three years with me, I promise you that when I go, I'm going to leave you a helper so that you are equipped, so that you have everything. And right before he goes, he says, now I commission you, 12 people at the time. He said, I am commissioning you, actually, technically 11. Um, that then became 12 again. Um, but then he said, I'm commissioning you to go and to change the world. And this small group of people that were persecuted, that were hated at the time, and that were at the time when Jesus said this, they were scared little followers. They, they didn't know what was going to happen because this is before the day of Pentecost, right? And so they didn't have the boldness yet. They actually hid in a room and locked the door because they were so afraid of what was going to happen. But Jesus said, now I'm going to empower you. I'm going to commission you to go out and reach this world for Jesus. And 12 people went out and changed the world and it's because not and and it's so fitting Ray and Richard what you guys were sharing because it's not because they're extraordinary people in fact if you look at each and every one of the disciples I was actually going to do that and then I realized I'm so not going to have time but if you look at each and every one of the disciples who they were when Jesus called them they were just like you and me They had, some of them had a bad temper, some of them were doing some crooked things, some of them were oblivious to what was really important in life, and then there was the odd one here and there, they were like, you know, really good people, Uh, and, you know, all that. But Jesus took ordinary people, and he taught them how to live extraordinary lives. And he taught them that all they really need is to cling to him, to have faith in him, to embrace what he asks them to do. And that hasn't changed. That great commission went out 2,000 years ago, and it's still here today. And Jesus has the same goal to take ordinary, plain people like you and me and change the world and turn it upside down for the kingdom of God, snatching people out of the darkness and bringing them into the light of the Son of Jesus Christ. That's what's still here today. 
See, what Jesus did is he called followers, but he actually never left them as followers. He made them into what he calls fishers of men. And I heard this quote, and it's such a good quote. It says this, too many Christians are no longer fishers of men. Instead, they have become the keepers of the aquarium. And it's so true. So many times we are so concerned about what to do with our little aquarium and we want to make sure it looks good and and stays healthy and we clean the water and, you know, we add little decorations. But Jesus didn't call us to be keepers of the aquarium. Jesus called us to go out and, and fish for people and share the good news of the gospel. So if we're not a reproducer... I thought about this, so what if we're not? What if we feel like we're not reproducing in our life? I believe that if we can honestly say that I I don't reproduce, first of all, we have to recognize that if you're not reproducing in your life, then we're not truly fulfilling the very commission that Jesus gave us. And we're not even uh, fully living in the DNA that he placed in us. And so if that's what we're feeling today, that we're not fully reproducing, I think it's important for us to do a little self-evaluation and ask ourselves some, some questions. Why am I not re- reproducing? It is, is it because of fear? Is it because you feel like you have nothing to offer? Is it because you feel like you don't know enough? Maybe you feel like you don't have all the answers. Maybe you feel like it's not your call or even your responsibility. Maybe that's for all those outgoing people, right? For, for those ones. Maybe you feel like you have a lack of boldness. Maybe you have a lack of purpose. Maybe you have a lack of passion. Maybe you feel spiritually barren, like you can't reproduce. So what is the answer to all that? Well, I think that the answer actually hasn't changed from, from 2,000 years ago. I think that the answer is still so simple. No matter what the hang-up is, the answer is to be with Jesus, to spend time with Jesus, to draw near to him. Because I'm telling you, the closer you get to Jesus, the more he changes your heart. And you can't stay the same. And you can't help but share who he is to you. Because being with Jesus produces passion. And passion produces reproduction. Because have you ever been around a person who maybe has a, a job or, or an interest or a hobby that you are completely clueless about. You don't know what they're talking about. I remember the first time I asked James, so what do you do? Uh, and, and he started explaining, you know, all these like, and then you take this atom and the molecule, and I'm like, you, you lost me? But then he keeps talking and he keeps sharing. And all of a sudden, I'm intrigued by this thing. I still don't know exactly what he does, but, but I'm intrigued. You know what? Because James is so passionate about what he does. In fact, he, he invests a lot of his time and effort into that because he believes in the research that he's doing, right? And so that's what happens with passionate people is that as soon as you get around a passionate person, you can't help but take interest in what they do. And that's all that Jesus is wanting us to do is to become so passionate for him that when people get around us, they get so interested. What is it that makes you so happy all the time? What is it that carries you through the trial of your life? What is it that makes you just steady and, and you're there and, and no matter what comes against you, no matter what people say about you, you just stay steady? And what is it with you that you just can't help yourself when you worship? What is it with that? See, people, when they see passion, they take an interest. So I actually think sometimes we're asking ourselves the wrong question. We're asking, you know, maybe I, maybe I should get rid of fear. Maybe I should... Try to get more bold. Really, what, you, what we need to do is we need to say, Jesus, how can I get more of you in my life? How can I truly have passion in my life? Because then all those other things become irrelevant. 
because it just spills over. Are you with me this morning? Thank you. Listen to what happened to the same scared little disciples that were hiding in that room. This is now after the day of Pentecost, and here's Peter and John. They're out preaching, and so now the, the leaders of the day, they get scared because here are these two people, and actually lots of them, but Peter and John were two of them, and they're preaching Jesus everywhere, and the leaders are now so scared. Why? Because what they're saying, they're saying with authority and with power. So now there's a following, and there's an interest, and now the leaders are seeing that people are turning away from the traditional Judaism that was powerless, and they're intrigued by this movement that's happening literally overnight. There's thousands of people that join this movement because they see that it's real. They see that Jesus didn't die, but that he's alive, and they see that what they're preaching is true. And when they're preaching, listen, Peter and and John and all the disciples, they're walking by and the very shadow falls on someone that's sick and they get healed. That's power. That's real. And so now they're getting intrigued. So they call John and and Peter in uh, the Sanhedrin and they say, listen, uh, you got to stop preaching Jesus. Stop doing this. And listen what it says in Acts 4, verse 13. It says, now when they, that's the, uh, the leaders of the day, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. Listen, if you feel like you don't have the answers, don't worry, neither did the disciples. They were untrained. They were uneducated. Many of them were just fishermen from the back 40s. They didn't, some of them probably didn't even know how to read and write. But God used them powerfully. So don't let that stop you. They were uneducated and untrained men. And they marveled and they realized, this is beautiful, that they had been with Jesus. See, what you and I need is not more education. We don't need more stuff. We need to be with Jesus. So that when people look at us, they marvel and they say, you you must have been with Jesus. Because there's no way you can live like that without him. And then a few verses later in Acts 4, verse 18 to 20, it says they called them back because what they did is the the leaders warned them, don't go, don't preach Jesus, and then they go out and they preach Jesus some more. And so they called them back and they say, listen, did you not hear what we said the first time? And they said they called them back and warned them that they were on no account ever again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John spoke right back, whether it's right in God's eyes to listen to you Rather than to God, then you decide. That's a good answer. But as for us, there's no question. We can't keep quiet about what we have seen and heard. See, when you encounter Jesus, you can't keep quiet. You can't hold it in. Because when God transforms your life and you truly meet Jesus and you spend time with him, you can't stay quiet. And people can say, you should, uh, you should not be so passionate. You should not talk about that. And you, you can say, listen, I can't help it. It changed my life. You should have met me before I met Jesus. And now I was blind, but now I see. I was in bondage. Now I'm free. I was addicted. Now I'm free. Listen, this church is full of life-transforming testimonies of what Jesus has done right here in our little church. And it couldn't have been more fitting than what you guys shared because all Jesus is looking for is ordinary people with a surrendered heart. And I promise you, if you truly surrender, I'm not talking even about inviting Jesus as your Savior, that's step one. But it was never meant to stop there. 
If you surrender your heart and you say, God, whatever you want of me, as long as you are with me, which he is, and you give me the power, which he will, then I'll do anything you ask of me. And I promise you that this group right here can change the city for Jesus if we have surrendered hearts. So what are we supposed to do then? If we're supposed to live like Jesus and love like Jesus, then I just want to take a quick look at what did he live like? What can we learn from him? First of all, number one, Jesus modeled his message. So he's telling us to catch people. And if you think about it, Jesus caught the 12. He walked around, and one at a time, he would call them by name. And he would say, hey, Simon, come follow me. John, come follow me. James, come follow me. And he literally, one by one, he caught people. I love how personal he was. Isaiah 43, one says, I have called you by name, and you are mine. And today God is saying to you, I've called you by name. You are mine. You're mine, which means you belong to him. So he's going to have your back. All you need to do is to surrender to that call of come, follow me. And what did Jesus do? He went into their world to reach them, to reach the fishermen. He went over to where they're fishing, to reach the tax collectors. He went to the tax office. Sometimes we wait around just for God to bring someone in your path. But Jesus modeled his message by literally going to where the people were. He went into the sinner's homes. He went and ate with the Pharisees. He went everywhere. He ate ate with all these people that actually the Pharisees had a lot of opinions of why he was there and why he was doing that. And Jesus said, listen, I didn't come for you. I didn't come for the people that are all right. I came to reach those who were lost. See, Jesus caught them by taking them with them and accepting them where they were. See, Jesus accepts you right where you're at, but he loves you so much that he's not going to leave you that way. But just like with the disciples, you know, especially uh, a couple of them, they had a really big issue with their temper. But that didn't actually disqualify them. But Jesus said, you come with me, and I'm going to help you. So when they had an outburst of anger, he said, "Um, maybe we shouldn't react that way, but let me teach you how to do it. So many times we think that all our hang-ups and all our past and all our personality flaws, that they actually stop us from serving Jesus. But Jesus modeled it by saying, come with me, walk with me, let's do this together. And along the way, you'll see that as you reach others, you're going to change in the midst of it. And so don't worry about what you can't do. Worry about being with Jesus. Jesus was a catcher of people. Jesus simply went to the places where people did life and connected with them. Do you want to hear about two days in the life of Jesus? This is from Mark chapter 1 and chapter 2. This is just a sample of what he did in two days. So in Mark chapter 1, we read that he was walking along the seashore. He sees Simon and Andrew, and he says, hey, come, follow me. And then later on, he walks by um, James and John, and he says, hey, come, follow me. So he's walking along. He's gathering his disciples. Later on that day, he goes to the synagogue, and he says, you know what, it's, how about I... I have a turn. I'm going to speak. So he starts speaking, and he starts preaching in the synagogue. And it says that the people there marveled because he didn't speak the way the scribes of the day spoke. But he spoke with power and with authority, so much so that there was a demon-possessed man in the midst that started crying out and saying, you know, Son of God, what are you here? What, what, are you, what can you do? And he literally cast out, just, just like that, he cast out the demon so that he could go on teaching. And so, so the man is set free. So in his day, now he's gathered his disciples. He's preached with power and authority. He cast out a demon. And then he goes out from the synagogue, and it says he goes to Simon Peter's house. And there his mother-in-law is laying sick with a fever. And Jesus goes, well, that's not a problem. I can go. I'll pray for her. So he goes. He prays for her. She's healed. 
This is still all the same day. And then it says, as a result of that, uh, at the end of Mark chapter 1, it says that the whole city gathered around their house. Because by now they're like, hey, this guy is pretty cool. Like, everywhere he goes, stuff happens. And so it says the whole city gathered outside this house, and it said that actually he healed all that came. And so now he's having this healing crusade out of uh, this house. And then he goes to sleep. He gets up really early before the sun's up. He goes out to pray because just like we need to be with Jesus, Jesus recognized that he needed to be with the Father because he knew that he has a full day ahead of him and he needs God to pour into him so that he can pour out into people. So the next day, it says he goes out and he preaches with authority. He heals everyone that comes to him. This leper comes to him and he heals this leper. And then he goes from healing the leper into another house. And as he's preaching, people have caught on. This guy is for real. So they, they make a hole in the roof and they low, lower this paralytic man down right in front of him. And he heals him. And then he goes on. And then he goes out of this house. And now so he's done healing. He's preached for two days straight. There's just stuff going on all around him. Then he goes out. And instead of going home to go to sleep, he goes, you know what? I know a person I need to go see. So he goes to the tax office. He calls Matthew. So now he still gathers disciples. And this is just two days in the life of Jesus. So what I want to say with all that, everywhere that Jesus went. He touched people, body, soul, and spirit. And I'm telling you right now, we sell ourselves so short of what God wants to use us to do. Because as we, little Christ followers, walk this earth and walk the streets of Kingston and surroundings, he just wants us to walk and be willing to go wherever he leads us and allow God through you to touch people, body, soul, and spirit. And Jesus modeled the fact that he was a catcher of people who others didn't want. He called the tax collectors, the sinners, the lepers, the outcasts, the Samaritans, people with flaws. In fact, Mark 2, verse 16 and 17 says this, When the experts in Moses' teachings, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said to them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Those who are sick do. I've come to call sinners, not people who think they have God's approval. Really, Jesus' mission statement and his life message was this, that no person is off limits, but all can be reached for him. So think about the people that are in your circle of influence. Jesus wants you just to be a light to them, showing the love of Jesus to those who are unlovable. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. For the Son of Man, Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. See, I think we can't be selective in who we should reach. What we need to do is be open for God to use us. I, when I think back to some of the people I've encountered and that I've, I've had the privilege of leading to Christ or influencing for Jesus, I think of all those people that didn't, I mean, didn't seem so lovable at the time. And you know what? Those are often the people that are hurting, that are hungry, that are desperate for somebody just to say, listen, I'll be your friend. I'll show you that no matter what you look like or how intimidating you may be, I want to show you that there's a God who can reach you right into your seemingly impossible situation. And God wants to use you 
to do it. Jesus promises to make us fishers of people. I found this really interesting when I read Mark 1.17 where it says, Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Um, this is a really interesting fact in here that Jesus isn't saying that you should become a fisher of men. He's promising you that he's going to make you a fisher of men. And I looked up that word make. What does that mean? I'm going to make you fishers of men. To make means to appoint, to ordain, and to declare. So really what he's saying is you follow me, you spend time with me, and I'm going to declare and appoint you and make you fishers of men. It's like you, you are an ambassador for him that has now been sent out by him. See, we must be a follower, but we must be willing to be made a fisher of men. There's a difference between being a true follower, which is why we've done this series, and a casual follower. Because a casual follower is that one that stays on the outside of the crowd, um, you know, that person that just kind of admires things but don't want to get all in. And I'm telling you, if you don't get all in, you're not going to get the whole experience. A casual follower is people that are morally ambiguous, people that are ideological, open-minded. They have little passion to represent God, little desire to invest in a faith community. They're happy to attend church, but they don't attach deeply. Their spiritual life is not much of a priority. Christianity is more a comfortable safety net, and they often believe that, private, that religion is a private matter. But God didn't call us to be casual followers. Jesus wanted us to be passionate reproducers. So what is a passionate reproducer? I believe that it's a person that know what they believe. They stand for truth. They are passionate to represent God to others. They invest in their community of faith. And they are people that are deeply attached and rooted in the family of God. Their spiritual life is their priority at the core of their being. And they're unashamed of the gospel. And the gospel becomes their life mission, not their job. Not their duty, but the gospel becomes their life mission. So how can we become fishers of people? I want to say this, that fishers of people is naturally spiritual. It's not weird. It's not odd. It's just very naturally spiritual. See, Jesus will use you where you are to reach people from your world. When I was a crazy horse girl, I reached the other horse girls. When I was in dance, I reached people that did dance. When I was a, you're going to laugh. When I was a taxi driver, I, I <laughs> talked to, I did, I was. Uh, I talked to people in the taxi. When I, uh, when I traveled, I reached people there. When I did music, I, I talked music language. Wherever you are, you are in a place that I'm not. And each and every one of you can become fishers of men in your area where God wants to use you. See, I believe that Jesus will bring people at the right time across your path at any given moment, day and night, so that you can be at the right place at the right time and share the right words. And all you need is a willing heart. And if you have passion in your heart, you can't help but share. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. If you just put him at the center, he's going to direct your path exactly where you need to go. Someone said this, I love this quote, a coincidence is when God performs a miracle and chooses to remain anonymous. God is going to put a whole ton of coincidences in your way if you're willing to just share the love of Jesus. And the last point I want to make is this, that God is not looking for your ability. 
He's looking for your availability. That's all he needs from you. The ability part, he can take care of all that, but he's looking for your availability. Number one, Jesus will empower you with the words, excuse me, that you need. Luke 12, verses uh, 11 and 12 says this. Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, don't worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Acts chapter 1, 8 says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then in chapter 4, it goes on to say, And when they had prayed, and the place where they assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And listen, what, what was the natural outflow of that? And they spoke the word of God with boldness. See, we just need to draw close to Jesus, and he'll do all the other stuff. He'll equip you, and he's going to empower you with the words that you'll need. Number two, Jesus will open your eyes to see those that he has prepared. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. If you are ready... And open, God is going to open your eyes to see who he has already prepared in your path. You know, sometimes it's as simple as looking for, for just those points in what, what I would call critical infliction points, redemptive moments in people's lives that could lead to an open door. Sometimes it can be as simple as a status change when people change their job, their financial status, educational, other significant changes. Oftentimes those are the, pe- the times that people dig down deeper and, and want to get rooted and grounded. And sometimes it's an illness. People slow down and, and realize they're not immortal. Those are the times that we can seize the moment and take that as an open door. Sometimes when people are in crisis, they realize they can't do this on their own. That's when you can go, hello, <laughs> you don't have to. See, God will open your eyes, whatever it is. It may be just a divine encounter, one of those divine coincidences. See, if you're willing, Jesus is going to open your eyes to see all those moments. Romans 14, sorry, 12, verse 14 to 15 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? It is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. That is you and me. And there are people all around us that need to hear the the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the last thing is this, that Jesus will help you as you share the simple gospel. You know, when we're sharing with people, we're not there to judge them. We're not there to point out their faults. Sin is already painful. It's actually not our first task. Our first task is to show the love of Jesus and to build relationships with those around you. And when you're passionate for Jesus, that is such a natural thing because you won't want anyone around you to have to live life without the experience of Jesus in their life. What we are simply is bridge builders. And so when we build those bridges to those around us in our community, we need to do so with love, with passion, but not wimpiness. We don't have to preach a watered-down gospel in order to reach people. But remember, people that are passionate pursuers and reproducers of God, they know the truth and they stand for the truth because they know that that truth will set people free. And so all we need to do is surrender our heart to Jesus. God has called us to this great message of hope. 
of new beginnings, of divine power made available to us through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. And what he's looking for us to do is to carry the story of his death, of his burial, and his resurrection, and the power that is available for everyday people in everyday lives to live extraordinary lives. That's what he has called you and I to do. And it's not more complicated than being with Jesus and allowing his passion to be infused in our lives so that we can truly become the lights, the little lights that walk out into darkness and show Jesus. See, today, if you are an observer, if you run that, that kind of have, have taken steps toward Jesus and, and you've invited him into certain parts, but you haven't truly surrendered all of your heart and said, Jesus, whatever you do, whatever you want me to do, just tell me and I'll do it. If you're on the outskirts today, I, I encourage you to pursue God passionately because Jesus is actually already in pursuit of you. And so it says in James 4, 8, it says that draw near to God and he will draw near to you. See, Jesus already took the initiative by making that available to you. And our responsibility today is really just to get in his presence, to learn how to spend time with him. And just like the disciples, they couldn't help themselves after spending three years with this incredible man that did incredible things. They could not help but to say and to speak what they had seen and what they had heard. And this group right here in this place at Impact Church has a tremendous, tremendous opportunity to do the same, to speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. And what Jesus is looking for today is just a surrendered heart. So in closing, can we stand up together? Now I would encourage you today, don't settle to be an observer. Don't settle for admiring from afar, but instead... Follow him and allow him to make you a fisher of people. Allow him to make you a passionate producer because you can't kill passion. You can't kill it because you can't help being passionate. And it was the love of one and the passion of 12 that changed the world. And so today, all God asks for is to draw near to him. So would you close your eyes with me? Father, we thank you for this uh, series of what it means to be a follower. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us to not just admire you from afar, not just inquire about you, but we thank you, God, that you have called us to be followers of you that put you at the very core of our being, at the very center of our being, Lord. And I thank you, God, as we place you first and at the center in everything that we are and everything that we do, I thank you, God, that it gives you room to change us and transform us so that we start to look like you and so that we can live like you, Jesus, and we can love like you, Jesus. And today, I just pray for every person in this place, God. I pray, God, that there would be a fresh infusion of your power and of your passion and of your love in every single person today. Lord, I pray that we would not fall short of your goal and your purpose for us to be reproducers of being people that boldly speak the word of God with love and compassion, Lord. But I pray, God, that you would take each and every one in this room and just infuse your divine passion, Lord, so that we can become people that are completely abandoned to you, Lord Jesus, that we can become people that are not afraid of what people are going to think around us, that we can become people that are not held back by our, our past or by our, by our, our 
personality flaws or whatever it is, Lord, but I thank you, God, that we can surrender today in our hearts completely and totally to you so that you can take us and make us just like the disciples, ordinary people that are used by an extraordinary God to do miraculous things. And so I thank you, Lord, for your great commission over each and every person in this place today is to go out and everywhere around them to be a light for Jesus Christ and to teach other people how to live like Jesus and how to live like Jesus. Lord, today we surrender our hearts. We surrender our minds. We surrender our wills to you. And we thank you, Lord, that there's no one like you. Thank you for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for what you're going to do. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.